Hello and welcome to another episode of the All Anal Podcast. I'm your host, Sebastian Starr. And today I'm going to be talking about K-12 through by Melanie Martinez. Now, before I get into the project in itself, I need to break down exactly what it is that I'm going to be analyzing today. Um, so she released the album actually on my birthday in 2019, September 6th. Um, and I was super, super excited about it. I remember hearing about Melanie Martinez, you know, word of mouth via Facebook, uh, seeing all these pictures and hearing all of these snippets. And I was like, she seems like somebody that I should probably listen to. So I gave her a listen. This is when Cry Baby came out. And um, that's kind of like her alter ego slash character. Because she, first and foremost, is phenomenal at storytelling. So, for example, the Cry Baby album or the Cry Baby project is basically just a long ass story. All of the songs are connected. And one thing that she does that I really, really love is when she releases a project, all of the names of the song on the project are related to the project in itself. So it's really just one big production thing. So, um, so for example, Crybaby has songs on it like Play Date, um, Tag Your It, uh, Milk and Cookies, uh, Alphabet Boy, things like that. Things that um, you hear and you correlate the words or meanings to a child or to a baby. Uh, so for the K through 12 album slash project, because she did drop an actual movie, like a full length hour, 32 minute long movie. You can find it on YouTube. Just type in K through 12 Melanie Martinez and it'll say film. You click on it, watch the entire thing. Whoop de whoop, you know. Um, but uh, K through 12, obviously being a uh, resemblance to school, kindergarten through 12th grade. Uh, and the entire theme of the album is based off of that. So the, all of the songs correlate to things that you do in school. Um, and then, of course, there's her her ability to tell stories through her music. And then, of course, having the universe in which she tells these stories correlate to her individual self. So everything throughout the Cry Baby album and the K-12 album are like pastel colors, very, very soft pink, purples, blues, teal greens, um, contemporary clothes that are like, you know, old school Victorian, but then they're also like the baby dog clothes. So you have like the flower skirts and the puffy sleeves and, you know, the trousers are very metallic colored and pastel and, and everything, everything, the aesthetic is very much like this baby doll aesthetic. So she really takes that and runs with it. Um, I wanted to break down just very, very briefly what each song is about, because I really want to talk about the movie in itself. Um, and uh, spoiler alert, uh, <laughs> it's not really like much of a suspenseful element. So it's not like you're ruining the movie if I tell you about it, but it's just so much of tying all of what she does together into this big production company project thing. And I really, really appreciate that. Like she is really, really great at telling stories with her music that it's, it's almost too good to be true. Um, so very briefly, I'm going to run through the entire um, album and just give a very brief description about what each song is about. And then I'm going to go into the movie. So it starts off with the wheels on the bus and wheels on the bus is basically just like, it's, it's basically first day of school jitters. I'm not trying to be here. I don't want to go to this place. 
everybody on this bus is acting up, doing what they shouldn't be doing, and I just need to get the fuck out of here. Like, it's very much first day of school, and I don't want to go type shit. That's the entire vibe of Wheels on the Bus. Then you got Class Fight, which is track number two. And that's pretty self-explanatory. You in class, you crushing on a dude. The girl that he's crushing on hates you. Uh, and y'all get into it. Y'all scrap it out. Um, the principal, and this is kind of, the principal is track number three. This is kind of where it turns into more of a metaphorical standpoint. So the principal is basically like, you know, I have someone ahead, above me that's trying to control and manipulate everything that I do. And you're, you're like the devil in disguise type shit. So it's like, you're, you're, I'm trying to plead my case towards you, but you're not trying to hear that. So it's like, I'm stuck under this manipulative trap with this psychotic person who will refuse to let me go. Um, and then you have show and tell show and tell is probably one of my favorite songs off of this album, uh, that and the nurse's office, which I'm getting to in just a second. But show and tell is basically like, I'm the puppet in the show. I have to do what you say and abide by your rules and regulations. And I can't do anything else. I can't fight it. I can't push it away. I can't reject it. It is what it is. Um, Now, the nurse's office, which is track five, kind of goes back to that school theme. So, um, and this is probably, well, I I lied. Show and tell is not. Show and tell the nurse's office is my top two favorite tracks off of this album. Uh, the nurse's office is like, you're finding an excuse to get out of class so you can avoid the bullies and the people who are harassing you throughout. So basically, you know, you're telling your teacher that you're not feeling good. Can I go see the nurse just so you can avoid the people behind you that are fucking with you, picking with you, bullying you, all that shit. Uh, and that's pretty relatable for me. I mean, I never faked sick to get out of class, but I did you know, do what I had to do to avoid confrontation throughout grade school. So that's probably why I like it so much. Um, then you have Drama Club, which is track number six, and that kind of goes back to the metaphoric um, side of it. You know, you're still being manipulated and controlled by the head honcho, um, and they're trying to play victim. You know, they're putting on a facade, an act, to make other people more sympathetic for them when the reality is they're full of shit and you're the real victim, but it's their word against yours type shit. Um, and then we have Strawberry Shortcake, which the entire song is basically about uh, in school, young girls are forced to dress appropriately, quote unquote, so they don't distract the boy students um, in the school. So she's basically saying instead of you trying to control what I do, how I dress and how I express myself, why don't you talk to the boys and get them to have some more self-control and not harass me because, you know, I want to wear what I want to wear. I should be able to come to school and feel comfortable without being harassed by the other boys that go here type shit. And then we got Lunchbox Friends. Lunchbox Friends is another song that I can kind of relate to. It's basically about, um, you know, you're in school and you have one or two people who are like, buddy, buddy, best friends, let's go do this and do that and have a good time and blah, blah, blah. But the second that school lets out, they don't know you. You're invisible. You you don't exist to them anymore. So it's basically Lunchbox Friends is like um, fake friends who only want to be your friend for the moment, even if that moment is just the school day. And then after that, you never hear from them again. You want a friendship that, that lasts 
a lifetime. You don't want somebody who's just going to be here for a day or two and then dip off. Um, and then we have Orange Juice. Track number nine is Orange Juice. This song is about having an eating disorder. So basically she's saying uh, in the song, you know, you're, you're starving yourself. Whatever you do, eat, you throw it right back up. And that's a problem. You shouldn't have to feel like you need to adjust yourself because of what society is telling you you should be or what you should look like. Be happy with what you have, with who you are, and the right people will accept you type shit. Um, and then we have detention. Now, detention was a little bit harder to decipher, but it goes back to that character, that head honcho character who is trying to manipulate and use you. So at this point, you've rebelled against them, but now they have you, you know, locked away and telling everyone that you're actually the problem, you're the issue, you're the consequence, you know what I'm saying? And you have to pay the price, be the punishment. And you're still trying to plead your case like, no, that's not true. I'm not the bad guy. I'm the victim. They're just manipulating you into thinking whatever they want you to think. You know, so I'm losing the battle slowly but surely with the head honcho guy. Um, and then we have Teacher's Pet. Teacher's Pet is a very controversial uh, song. It's about a teacher-student relationship, which you see and hear about these scandals all the time. They make movies about them. You know, they usually vary, but uh, in most cases, it's a female teacher with a male student. In this scenario, however, it's a male teacher with a female student, and the female student kind of goes off her rocker and is like, you fed me all of these lies and promises just to 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 go back to your family and shit. Like, what about me? Don't I matter to you? Like, you... What was the point of you telling me all this shit if you weren't going to live up to the, you know what I'm saying? You just finna do me like that? Like, so that's teacher's pet in a nutshell. You have high school sweethearts, which is basically self-explanatory. Um, it's kind of like uh, a, a checklist to your high school sweetheart saying, okay, I need you to be A, B, C, and X, Y, Z. If you can do that, then we're going to be set for life. We good. We Gucci. We got you. And then the last song on the project is Recess. Uh, and that song is basically kind of like an homage to her uh, family and people who have stuck with her from the beginning, reminding her to remain humble, stay to yourself, be true to who you are and do what you do. Don't try to fret off of what everybody else is doing and don't let them get into your head and tell you that you got to be a certain way to appease them. You got to appease you. And that's all that matters at the end of the day. Um, it's a very beautiful song. Uh, so that was a very, very, very quick rundown of each song. And as I analyze the movie, I will go into more detail with each of the songs as well. So the movie starts, she wakes up from a dream. Her alarm clock is going off. She's describing the dream, uh, in a mental dialogue form. And she's just like, bro, I do not want to go to this shit. I do not want to do this. It really picks up where the crybaby the cry baby story left off at. So her mom is a drunk, uh, neglectful, uh, spiraling out of control. Her home life is chaotic, even though it looks very well put together and clean. The reality of it is her mom is a piece of shit. So she doesn't even rely on her for much of anything. And then it skips to her being on the bus with her best friend. Um, and they're talking about, man, I don't, I, I don't want to do this, bro. I don't want to, I don't want to go to this place. I'm not trying to deal with none of these people. The niggas on the bus is throwing paper balls with mean notes 
at her. Melanie Martinez, if you don't know, her signature style is her hair is split down the middle. Half of it is black and the other half is like blonde or pink or blue or some pastel color. Um, she's very, very petite. Very, very petite face. Really big eyes. And she has a very large gap between her front two teeth. And she feeds off of that with everything that she does as far as being ridiculed or talked about because she knows people are talking about her teeth. So every little bully throughout the movie is always talking about her gaps in her teeth, and they just use that to their advantage. Um, uh, so they're on the bus, and Wheels on the Bus starts playing, and the lyrics to Wheels on the Bus, uh, the intro, I'm just looking out the window, and it's cold outside. There are two boys yelling behind me, and I'm terrified. That's literally first day of school jitters. And the album, the project, the movie, K through 12, I'm going to assume that they're starting in K. So this is like the mindset of a kindergarten girl on her way to school for the first time. Like, And then, of course, it gets more provocative. You know, it gets, it gets filthy. She's a grown-ass woman, so she's going to say what she wants to say, and that's totally fine. Um, and, you know, it just goes on with that whole, this is going to be the worst day of my life mentality. And she carries that with her. There's a part where, oh my gosh, I almost thought of this very important detail. So in the dream that she has in the beginning of the movie, she's explaining how she was talking to an angel named Lilith. If you're religious or not, whatever your affiliation is, you know that Lilith is the original name for Abel's first wife. And then there's a bunch of conspiracy theories. I don't know if they've been confirmed or denied that Lilith is actually Satan's wife or Lucifer's wife. Um, the first woman to ever exist in the universe is a Lilith. And that's the deity that she worships. So throughout the film, you'll see her eyes go black and she has like magical powers. Her and her best friend are like this. And then throughout the movie, they meet other people with the same ability who are all blessed by the goddess Lilith. And they use these powers and abilities to their advantage. So they're on the bus. The bus driver is drunk because he's a piece of shit. <laughs> uh, he swerves off the road and they crash into the ocean. The two of them use their powers to lift the bus out of the ocean, fly through the sky and land in front of the school. Uh, which is so dramatic, but it's, it's also really, really interesting to watch. Um, so uh, they get into the school. They're running late for class. They get into class. The teacher is like snorting cocaine, which is disguised as chalk on the chalkboard. And this is where it starts to get deep. You start to really see, because she wrote and directed this movie. She wrote the, all the songs. She wrote the monologues and dialogues throughout the film. And she has very much so a diverse representation. So it's not just like a regular, degular um, school environment where all the kids look exactly the same. I mean, you have your cliques, you have your weirdos, you have your outcasts, sure. But the, the school is very, very diverse. And she speaks up a lot about social issues throughout the film. So her and her friend get to class. They're running late. All the students have to stand and rise for the national anthem. But one boy, a black boy, decides to sit and let the, the national anthem, not the national anthem, good Lord, the Pledge of Allegiance. Teachers like, stand up, show some respect. And he's like, liberty and justice for all? That's bullshit. And of course, he's immediately escorted out by security. 
And that just showcases like the like obvious injustice that black people face in America because we were forced in school. I don't know if they still do this. I'm pretty sure they don't. But we were forced in school to stand up and say the Pledge of Allegiance with our hands over our hearts. And it ends with with liberty and justice for all. But that statement is not true. And it doesn't apply to every single person who lives in the country. And anyone who speaks against that is immediately penalized or punished for addressing the obvious. So the fact that she put that in there was very much so like, pay attention to the shit that's going on around you because looks can be deceiving and everything is not what they seem. So class fight starts. They're still in the classroom. The mean girl is uh, tormenting her as usual, throwing notes at her, threatening her life, all this good shit, you know, being a bitch. Uh, They uh, skip a couple of scenes to the playground scene and the mean girl sees uh, Melanie Martinez, a.k.a. Crybaby, talking to the boy that she has a crush on. She gets mad, runs over there, beats her ass. But Crybaby is a witch or is blessed with magical powers that she lifts that bitch off the ground <laughs> and chokes her with her hair. Like, this shit is so crazy. And it's, you're looking at it like, bro, what the fuck is going on? Uh, but it's great. So, of course, the girls, they both get in trouble. They get sent to the principal's office. So now we get to the principal song. Or the principal track, I'm sorry. Um, before the track begins, they're sitting in, like, the lobby of the office with some other students. Um, and the principal is in his office talking to one of the teachers. And this is another focal point that she wanted to address directly and make it very, very aware that shit like this happens. So the teacher in the principal's office is transitioning from a man to a woman. And she says, you know, I want to be my true authentic self. I love what I do, and I have a lot of respect from these students, but I'm asking you as the administrator to respect my wishes. You know, this is my new name. This is my new identity. This is who I am. And he and the teacher gets fired. The principal fires the teacher. So, um... That's that's like making it very aware that people are being treated unfairly in a society where everyone's supposed to be treated equally type shit. Uh, and then the track starts. She's addressing the principal. The principal in the scenario is the head honcho guy who is making it impossible for unique and individualism to exist amongst the school. So she's trying to rebel against that. Of course, he doesn't like this. And then we fast forward a little bit more to show and tell. Now, one of the things that I love about show and tell as a visual versus as a song, because like I said, the song is about being manipulated and controlled by the head honcho. You're the puppet. And that's exactly what the visual is. She's in a classroom and she's been turned into a puppet and she's being put on display for the rest of the students in the classroom being pushed to her limits, being forced outside of her comfort zone, and being demanded to do all of these things for the enjoyment of others around her, and she literally has no control of herself. So that's very much a cinematic, I think it's a perfect, you know, step into what the song represents, what the song means, and then you get to see that. Because the, 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 the class is like immature, childish, rowdy, um, disrespectful group of children, there's supposed to be a third grade class, 
but the 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 representation of it is like the audience, the crowd that you entertain on a regular basis. And those pulling the strings won't allow you to break free of that and do what you want to do. You're forced to do what they're making you do. So I think that that parallel was perfect, spot on. And then we go from show and tell to the nurse's office. So during the show and tell presentation, she's hurt very, very badly. Um, The puppet her is transported to the nurse's office where her best friend is waiting Her best friend turns her back into a person, but then they're both forced to go with the nurses, and the nurses look fucking ridiculous. (laughs) The nurses look insane in the membrane. Nobody, like, there aren't any real adults who have eyebrows. Like, none of the adults have eyebrows with the exception of maybe, like, two or three. But none of the nurses do, and they look absolutely crazy. Um, So they're, they're tied down on these stretchers. Uh, and the visual for the nurse office doesn't really match the song, what it means. So the song, like I said, is using I'm sick. Can I go see the nurse as an excuse to get away from those who are tormenting or harassing you in your classroom? Um, the, the the perfect like line to, to, to further prove my point. Um, second verse, she says, teacher, can I sit right there? This bitch behind me is cutting my hair. Don't just sit your ass down at the chalkboard and stare. Like, I need help. Like, help me out. Like, I'm trying to get away from these people. You're just sitting there not doing anything. Um, but the visual for the nurse's office, they're strapped down on these stretchers. They're being forced medication. And, like, they're acting really loopy and high. And the, the, the nurses are trying to, like, destroy them, basically, right? They're hooked them up to these electrical machines, and they were going to blow their brains. Like, I don't know what they were going to do, but they were going to do something foul and despicable just then the goddess Lilith that they worship and praise to pops up in like an elevator door uh blasts the nurses and lets them out of their stretchers and they run to her and say please can we just come with you we're tired of living like this and she's like you've had other lives before this and you'll have other lives after this your spirit is immortal the only way that you can understand the pain of this world is to experience it and she's just like, you, you got you to gotta toughen this shit out. I know it's hard. I know you're tired. And I know you don't want to be here. But to understand the people that you are engulfed with, you have to live their lives alongside of them type shit. Which, that's cool. But it's also kind of fucked up. But, I mean, I get what you're, where you're going with this. And I understand what you're trying to say. But it's like, damn, dude. You see they just try to kill us, bro. This shit isn't only going to get worse from this point moving forward, but okay, I'm going to listen to you. Uh, So let's fast forward a couple of more scenes to Drama Club. You have the crybaby character into entering the auditorium. The teacher is like, you know, we got this play. I done signed you your roles, and we're about to go over them, and we're about to study, we're about to practice, we're about to get this good. And crybaby is like, can I have a role that's not so domesticated you know, can I, can I, can I, can I get something better than the housewife type shit? And they're laughing at her like, you're a woman. What, what other roles could you possibly serve type shit? Um, like I said, the song Drama Club is using, is about the head honcho guy playing victim, putting on a facade, putting on an act to make people feel sorry for him and to antagonize the protagonist and make them seem like the bad guy. Uh, the visual 
similar to the nurse's office, doesn't match what the song is about exactly because it, it plays more into the title of the song rather than the meaning behind the song. So they're in the auditorium practicing this play. Eventually they put the play on. She breaks character from the play and physically hurts her fellow cast member. And in an attempt to get the audience's attention, she even screams out, you're being brainwashed, wake up. Like she screams that and it like shatters the, you know, mind control serum that everybody was on in the auditorium. And then they kind of go crazy. They storm the principal's office and they rip the principal limb from limb. So in, in, in a sense, at that point, they kind of like rejuvenated. They're, they're like free from the oppressors type shit. And then there's a couple of scenes where they're kind of just like relaxing a little bit more. Things are a bit easier. They're, they're more comfortable, they're more relaxed and more fluid. Um, and they're, and they feel it, they're feeling a little bit better about themselves. Um, right after drama club is strawberry shortcake. Now this part of the film is interesting. So like I said, the song strawberry shortcake is about, you know, uh, school systems enforcing heavy dress codes on girls so they don't distract the boys. But she's like, why don't, instead of telling us what to wear all the time and telling us what to do and how to present ourselves. Why don't you teach the boys to not be slobs, have some more self-control and just leave us alone so we can go to school just like they want to go to school. Um, It starts off with her and like, she's the model in a big ass cake, right? You know how you have your figurines and cakes and you make a dresser or whatever around them. She's that. And then she's swarmed by the boys in the school. They cut out a big ass piece of this cake and they start eating it like monsters. And then there's one point where they eat too much and they get sick. Uh, In the midst of that, she's also in the pool of the school with like a swim team. And they're wearing, you know, swim attire. And, you know, she's just describing this. Well, she's singing the song, how you're kind of conflicted with wanting to show off your body to impress boys because you want that attention. But at the same time, it's like you're only doing that because they're googly eyed over the girl who's not trying to get attention. So you're one type of girl who wants that attention. You want the boys to be gawking over you, drooling at your feet type shit. And you try to fit the mold of the girl that they're doing that towards. So you stuff your bra, you wear short shorts, you keep your legs and your arms shaved and you try to look as youthful as possible while looking as desirable as possible. Meanwhile, the girl that they're gawking over does not want that attention. She may be full figured naturally and she's doing everything in her power to cover herself up and keep herself blanketed. You know, so she doesn't get that unnecessary attention, but it doesn't seem to work. So it's a very conflicting this point and that point type of song. But it does speak to the idea that it's not always the female student's fault that the boys are just constantly drooling over them and that they need to have some more self-control over themselves and not constantly blame the girls for just being their natural selves. Because, yes, some little girls do want that attention, but some of them don't. And the ones who don't are usually the ones who get the most attention, and they're mainly harassed 
you know, but instead of blaming the boys, you blame the girls for just existing, just being what they are type shit. Uh, and then we skip a little bit further to Lunchbox Friends. Now, Lunchbox Friends, uh, very much so kind of like, oh, which one was it? The principal, no, Show and Tell, I'm sorry. Lunchbox Friends, just like Show and Tell, depicts exactly what the song is talking about. So the song is about, you know, uh, you only want to be my friend for the school day. After that, you you don't want nothing to do with me. I want a lifelong friend. I want a lifetime friend. I want somebody who's going to be with me through thick and thin, uh, till death do us part type shit. So she's pulled away from the lunch line by the mean girl who's trying to butter her up and be all nice and buddy-buddy when, you know, 30 minutes ago, you were literally trying to kill me. Um, and she she ditches them. She breaks off from them. And she introduces herself to another girl who, like her best friend and her, have been blessed by the goddess Lilith. And they have, like, magical abilities to do things. Um, use magic, basically. And they become really good friends. At this point, I did skip out. There is another. So it's Crybaby. It's her best friend, Angelina. And then there are two more girls that they introduce um, at this point. So right now it's four girls. And then when Orange Juice starts, there's a fifth girl that's introduced. Um, And again, Orange Juice is about, you know, eating disorder, anorexia, bulimia. Uh, It's called Orange Juice because the only thing that the girl eats is oranges. And then she goes straight to the bathroom and throws it all up. So the chorus goes, you turn oranges to orange juice into there, then spit it out of you. Your body is imperfectly perfect. Everyone wants what the other one's working. No more orange juice. So, you know, whatever you eat, you throw it right back up and it becomes something different. Uh, So they confront the girl who's throwing up in the bathroom and they basically say to her, you don't have to do this. You're beautiful just the way you are. You ain't got to change. You ain't got to manipulate your body to do none of that. And they invite her into the clique because they've all been blessed by the goddess Lilith. They all have these magical powers they all can do pretty much the same thing. Um, and then we skip a little bit more to detention. Detention, uh, Crybaby is captured by the principal's son, who comes in as the new antagonist, because they've killed the principal, but there still needs to be a bad guy for them to fight off and rebel against. So now it's the principal's son. He snatches her up, tosses her into detention. Uh, in the detention visual, she's trapped in a room strapped to a table by the wrists and the nurses come in and inject every single student sitting in the sitting at their desk with some kind of a serum that makes them happy when you know nobody in there everyone in there is kind of loopy and out of their mind they've been drugged a lot so they're kind of coming down from that but as soon as they get injected with this serum their faces brighten up they smile it's like they have no control over their body at that point um, and then Crybaby uses her powers to manipulate the principal's son, whose name is Leo, I think, uh, into coming in there and releasing her from her brackets, and then she gets to escape. Um, <clears throat> so when she escapes, she meets back up with her friends, and they're trying to devise a plan to get rid of Leo, right? They're trying to think of everything that they can do. In the meantime, there's a boy who has a crush on Crybaby and uh, sends her a love letter. Leo sees this and uses that to his advantage, which that comes up later, but right now I'm going to go to Teacher's Pet. Now, Teacher's Pet, 
I don't know if anybody watches the show Big Mouth. Uh, it's by Nick Crow. It's on Netflix. But there is an episode in one of the seasons that kind of reminds me of this song. So, like I said, it's a student-teacher relationship. The teacher, a male teacher, falls into it with a female student. And the female student sees through his bullshit and, like, takes him out, basically. But that's the story from the song. The visual is... The student falls for the teacher. The teacher uses the student as like an experiment. So he drugs her. He shrinks her. He's about to cut her open and dissect her. Uh, Crybaby comes in, knocks the teacher down, makes her friend back to normal size. And then her friend, you know, kills the teacher. Cause it's like, you were just finna cut me the fuck open. Like what the hell? So but the episode that I was thinking about from Big Mouth is uh, the character Lola falls for the like theater theater teacher and he gets her to like rub his feet, which is a very like sexual act. Like it's a very erotic act. Like it's, it's something that's very inappropriate for a child to do for a grown ass man. She doesn't tell anybody because he was like, don't tell anybody about this you know, very discreetly. And he knew that she liked him. So he just took advantage of her basically. And she ultimately gets him fired. Um, but I think about that every time I hear this song, uh, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, and then we go to high school sweetheart. Now high school sweetheart is like a dream, right? So she's asleep in her bed and she's dreaming of like just walking through empty hallways of the school and she's just giving the description of her high school through sweetheart like do's and don'ts here's a list of things that I need you to to be on my side with if you can do all of this then we're good to go so it's pretty straight to the point and self-explanatory the final song recess is actually put in place by the idea of a school dance now this is where we get back to the love letter that was found in Crybaby's locker. So there's a boy who has a crush on Crybaby, leaves that love letter in her locker. Leo, the principal's son, sees him do this and uses that to his advantage. Like, oh, so you found my love letter. Uh, how about I take you to the dance uh, this weekend? Blah, 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 blah. You know, she's, she's a child, you know, manipulated by a crush because she was flattered by the love letter. So she's like, okay, sure, fuck it, I can do that. Um, which that's a lie. So all of the other girls in her little group are dancing with each other. And then he puts like this hold on all of the students in the dance to where they're just going to keep dancing forever. Like they can't break out of it. They can't escape it. Whoopsie whoop. Uh, Crybaby, however, was not in the dance when this happened and she was able to put a glamour on herself. If you don't know what glamour is when you can manipulate what other people see as far as your appearance goes. So she can make people see her differently. So she does that, tricks the principal's son into a closet, locks him in there and hits the fire alarm and everybody, you know, breaks from their hold and they get to escape out of the school. Um, and once they escape out of the school, they ended up destroying the school. And then all of the friends crybaby and the guy who had a crush on her who is also like them blessed by the goddess Lilith with magical powers they all escape through the door with Lilith 
And she's standing there in the doorway like, what are you waiting for? Let's go. And then she's like looking back at the school and then looking at the doorway. And then it kind of goes black like that. Um, so that's in a nutshell. <laughs> that's in a nutshell the K through 12 film and also a very brief analysis of the K through 12 album. Now, I personally recommend that anybody go back and listen and or watch or both because, like I said, Melanie Martinez does a phenomenal job with storytelling. Her visuals are always on point, even if some of them are a little confusing. There's, there's some underlying message to everything that she does. There's a reason behind everything that she does. Even throughout the film, there are subtle hints at things that, you know, she's for, you know, like having free uh, menstruation products for women in women's bathrooms or, you know, legalizing marijuana, uh, you know, social injustice, you know, systematic racism, uh, manipulation and control over a society by a hierarchy, whether it be government or et cetera. These very subtle things are seen throughout the entire production. And when you really like take a step back and think about it, it's very obvious what she's trying to do and what she's trying to say. She's the type of artist that is using her platform to speak up on things that she feels needs more attention. And even though Melanie Martinez, I wouldn't consider her an underground artist. She's not underground, um, but she is unknown by a mass majority of people. Uh, the fact that she's still fighting these causes with her platform says a lot about her character. And I think that's noteworthy. I think people should take, you know, take take that into consideration and just view her as not only just an artist, but a visual like influencer because she really is proud of what she does and she wants the world to see just how capable she is with everything that she does. And I feel like after this, if you want to dig into Melanie Martinez a bit more, I highly recommend it. Yeah, she's a little weird. Yeah, she's a little crazy. Yeah, she's a little fucked up in the head. But I feel like she has a very good sense of what she wants and she knows what she's talking about. So once again, that was K-12 through by Melanie Martinez. The film can be found on YouTube. Just type K-12 through Melanie Martinez. It should be like the first, second, or third thing to pop up. Um, I was just watching it before I started this. So it is there. It is available and it is free. The K-12 through album can be found on streaming services. And there were an additional, there's an additional song called Fire Drill. That plays as the end critics of the film. So I haven't heard it throughout, like all the way through. Um, but a lot of people have, and a lot of people like it. I just haven't had a chance to sit down and listen to it the way I've listened to all of the other songs on the album. But if it's anything as good as the album itself, then it shouldn't be a disappointment. But thank you once again for tuning in and listening. I appreciate the love and the support. And until next time, I will talk to you later.